Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information about our ministries, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Today is Gaudete Sunday. Now, if you're a classics nerd like myself or Martha Pavo, you know that Gaudete is a Latin word that means rejoice. It comes from Philippians 4.4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Traditionally, this verse was used to begin the service of Holy Communion on the third Sunday of Advent. And gradually the name stuck, even in places where we no longer start with that specific verse. Gaudete Sunday is a call to each one of us to rejoice together in God. It might seem odd to have a Sunday of rejoicing during Advent, which is a time of penitential waiting, when we consider the impact that our sin, both individual and as a collective humanity, has had on our world. We mourn the destructiveness of our sin, and we wait for Jesus to come and heal us and renew heaven and earth. But right smack dab in the middle of this month of repentance is a Sunday of joy. We even mark it with a rose-colored Advent candle instead of purple, a little extra light in the darkness. Joy doesn't always come easily, especially during the holiday season. Society and Hallmark tell us that this is a time of family and friends, of warm drinks around a cozy fire, of scrumptious feasts and lots of presents. Sometimes this is comforting, but more often than not, it's in these very visions that we are reminded of the brokenness of the world around us. Maybe it's a relationship with a parent or a sibling or a child that is fraught with old wounds that have never quite healed. Maybe wounds of your making or maybe of theirs. Or it's an empty chair by the fire where someone you loved used to sit but no longer does. Or it's a bank account that won't put quite so many presents on the table or quite so rich affair on the table, and the nagging feeling that you're letting down those who depend on you. Sometimes joy is very quiet. It's in those moments when we can only hear a whisper of it, that we trust that it will grow, that its crescendo will come. Our Old Testament passage shows that crescendo. This prophecy from Isaiah was about the Israelites' return from exile under the Babylonians. They had spent the last 70 years in captivity in a foreign land far from their own, mourning their sin and longing to return home. The psalms written then, the songs they sang while they were there, don't evince very much joy. 
Then the king Cyrus gave them permission to return, to rebuild their land, and they were headed back. Their mouths were filled with laughter and their tongues with shouts of joy. But when they got home, the rejoicing was tempered. It was clear that it wasn't at its crescendo yet because at their arrival, they were faced with the ruined cities and devastations of generations. They were faced with the impact of their people's sin on the land they loved so much. The promised land had been a gift from God and they'd messed the whole thing up. And in their return, they saw this right in front of them. They worked hard to build up and repair the temple and the walls of Jerusalem, to make the city safe and inhabitable again. When they laid the foundation of the new temple, the book of Ezra tells us that the rejoicing was indistinguishable from the weeping. The rejoicing at a new temple and a new beginning coming from the younger Israelites and the weeping at the loss of the old temple's former glory from the older Israelites who still remembered this weeping and rejoicing in one indistinguishable cacophony. The sound of the joy was increasing, but still wasn't loud enough to overcome the pain. There had to be more to this prophecy than just that. If the people were being promised a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, it had to be pointing not just to their return from exile, but to something deeper, more powerful, more all-encompassing. And we know that it was because this is the very passage that Jesus chose to inaugurate his earthly ministry. Hundreds of years later, Jesus stood up in the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth, read the beginning of this passage from the scroll of Isaiah, and proclaimed that the scripture was fulfilled in their hearing on that very day. This caused a fair amount of consternation because no one there could quite understand how Joseph the carpenter's son could make that claim. But we have the value of hindsight, of the Holy Spirit working in Jesus' disciples to show them what his teaching and his actions meant, what he accomplished through his death and resurrection. While he did bring physical, material hope to a struggling, oppressed people, he also did so much more than that. He brought forgiveness to the whole world. The crescendo of joy was increasing. It no longer applied just to one group of chosen people returning from exile, but now was available across the world to Jew and Gentile alike. When we enjoy God's forgiveness to us, 
It can be similar to what the Israelites experienced when they came back from exile. Our sin so often damages the best things we have in life, the relationships that we care about the most. And when we see the impact of our sin, it can look and feel like the ruined cities of ancient Israel. And God does not lead us away from that. He leads us right back into it. As we repent and seek his forgiveness, as we do the hard work of reconciliation with those we have harmed, we grapple with the reality of our sin and its impact in the same way that the Israelites looked on the devastation of their beloved promised land. But God does not do this to rub our faces in our sin. Far, far from that. He does it to show us that his forgiveness is so powerful that it can redeem and renew and remake his gifts to us. Those very ones that we trampled on, he gives back to us. And our emotions in this process of receiving forgiveness sometimes are like that mixture of joy and weeping that the Israelites experienced when the foundations of the second temple were laid. The crescendo is growing, but it's still not quite there yet. We are still waiting for one more thing that will bring the chords of our joy to their loudest and purest pitch. Because Jesus promised us that he will come back and finish what he started. In a sense, his death and resurrection are complete. Sin and death are conquered and he has won and we are confident of our eternal home with him. But the mixture of joy and weeping that remains right now will not remain forever. There will come a time when he returns and he eradicates sin and death from our world. There will be no weeping mixed in with the joy. We will see his full redemption with our own eyes. Each good gift of his that once was marred by our sin will be fully restored with no hint of sadness or remorse. Our sin will truly be as far from us as east is from west and we will rejoice fully in our reconciliation with God and with all of humanity. And so we rejoice on Gadaute Sunday not because we are ignoring the pain in the world around us, but because we are looking towards Jesus Christ's promised return. As a piece of this rejoicing, we're going to sing joy to the world during communion. And if you're tempted to call the Advent police because we're singing a Christmas carol on a Sunday morning before December 24th, I want you to listen very carefully to the words. 
If there ever was a hymn for Gaudete Sunday, this one is it. It calls the entire world to rejoice at the coming of its king. Heaven and nature alike burst forth in song at the appearing of Jesus Christ. His redemption will be so complete that the fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains will repeat the sounding joy all around us in a deafening chorus of rejoicing. And I can't wait for all of us to be there and join the song. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of our parish, we would really appreciate it. You can make a one-time or recurring gift by going to calvarystgeorges.org slash give. Thank you for your support.